Hey, everybody. I just, uh, <clears throat> this is unusual. You know, I wanted to uh, take a little bit of time today to shoot another video. It's been a while since I shot one. And, uh, you know, normally I have a guest or two, uh, but today it's not going to happen uh, because my guest is uh, incarcerated. And I, I really wanted to talk today about Johnny Ward. Um, you know, it's it's been quite a while since we first did our podcast together. You know, Johnny was one of the two that were on my original uh, first podcast, which was done back in, in October, the Texas prison system. And, uh, you know, those guys were pretty excited to come here and do the podcast with me and and, uh, you know, I, I don't really think I let them on or anything like that, but it was my first podcast. And, uh, you know, I really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I knew what I was doing, but I've learned a, a tremendous amount since then. And really, to make a long story short, um, I became really good friends with Johnny Ward. And, you know, Johnny published a book, um, and he's come a long way. Um, in the eight months he was out and, uh, he's a married guy. Him and I have had quite a few conversations and I'm, I'm, I've always been impressed with him. And, uh, you know, I recently found out that he had a parole violation and I was really kind of surprised that, uh, you know, Johnny would violate his parole. Um, but you know, when I looked further into it, I was really, again, quite taken back and, and surprised that, uh, you know, they would get him on such a minor infraction. <clears throat> and I'm going to get into this in the next few minutes here, but I just kind of wanted to give you guys a preamble as to what's going on. So, you know, I was scheduled to have Johnny come back on and we were going to talk about his book, Gridlock, um, from prison to purpose, which really it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a good book. I mean, it's, it's the most, unusual book I think I've ever read and uh, you know I was going to have him come back on we were going to delve into all of the different aspects of the book um, and, and the different people who wrote the book and uh, because it's it is an anthology so it was written by several authors not just one Johnny being the main component of architecture the guy who put this book together <laughs> So anyway, um, I, I get a call from from the other participant who was on my podcast, Neil Geesey. And Neil tells me that, hey, Johnny had a parole violation. He's back in um, Harris County. And, uh, you know, if you want, you can write a letter of recommendation, turn it into his um, attorney. And, you know, they're going to see if they can get him back, his parole reinstated, because he's he's going through this major review. So I talked to Johnny's wife for a, a few minutes on the phone and we discussed what happened and and I was shocked. I was like, really, you know, they're gonna they're gonna put this guy back in for literally a, a mouse click. And uh you know, so I sat down <clears throat> and I wrote what I thought was a very compelling um letter that just basically was a character reference for Johnny Ward. Sent it to his wife. She, you know, of course, the Ward family thanked me. And and uh, about a week later, maybe maybe a little longer, I, I get a call from his attorney. And, uh, 
You know, we talked for a few minutes, and his attorney asked how long I had known Johnny and what I thought of him and, and you know, why I had composed such a compelling letter. And I told him, I said, you know, from time to time we meet people in life that we get affected by. And maybe it doesn't happen all that often. Maybe it happens all the time. I guess it depends on who you are. But with me, it just doesn't happen that much. There's been several um, and they've left quite an impact on my life. Johnny Ward turns out to be one of them guys. And, uh, you know, so I talked to the attorney and I told him, I said, you know, I would be willing to go and, and testify on his behalf. I don't know if it's something that I can do, but I'd certainly be willing to do it. Well, a little time goes by, I get another call from uh, who I thought was maybe a police officer, somebody with the, with the sheriff's department or constable. I wasn't really sure. Um, really busy at the time I received the call, but they said they had a subpoena and they wanted to send it to me by email. Would I be willing to, to receive it by email and send them an email to let them know it's been received? So I said, sure, you know, send it my way. Got the subpoena. <clears throat> and, you know, it was for yesterday, which was, uh, December the 29th. And I was supposed to appear at 10 a.m., at 701 San Jacinto, which is the location of the jail itself. And this was to testify as a character witness in behalf of Johnny Ward in his, I I guess, trial or whatever you want to call it, uh, so they can make a determination on whether they're going to reinstate his parole or revoke it and send him back to the clink. So I I get there early, you know, maybe... uh, I don't know, as much as 30 or 45 minutes early. I mean, I, I didn't want to miss it. I wanted to make sure that I was there. I wanted to make sure if I had any paperwork or if I needed to be searched or whatever the case might be, that I was there in time for them to be able to do it, and I would still make the hearing. So I get there and uh, go up to the front desk in the office and uh, show them my subpoena, and they tell me that they're not doing any in-person trials and I should have received a zoom link so you know I flipped it around looked at it again I was like well there's no zoom link here and and I I talked with the individual and I said look you know I would think if if they were not going to have this they wouldn't have sent me a a subpoena to appear you know and I knew that Johnny Ward's wife had also gotten the same document she had also received a subpoena for her to appear and we had prearranged for us to meet there at the at the uh at the sheriff's department, at the, the, the jail on that day, on that morning. And, uh, you know, I had never done anything like this before. I've never, I've never testified in any kind of a court case, uh, not to mention a parole case. So I was interested, apprehensive, nervous. Um, I, I wanted to say the right things. I wanted to uh, be articulate enough to convince the parole board that this is a man that this is not a file or a criminal or whatever they've labeled him as, that he's an actual human being with wants, needs, feelings. He's 41 years old, and I'm 58, and I know that his opportunities are bottlenecking. I mean, it it happens to people as you get older. I mean, it's just the way life is set up. 
So, you know, I have concerns for the guy. I don't want him to go back to the clink. I want him to be able to get out and uh, do the things he needs to do, which is basically to promote his ideas of, of prison reform and his ideas of reintegration for guys who are getting out. And, uh, you know, because really the prison system doesn't prepare you to be released. I mean, at one point or another, most inmates, I would imagine, are going to be released. So I would think that they would have some sort of preparation program, let them know, hey, society's set up this way. And even though you're leaving a, you know, a world that's super combative and, and, and super masculine, when you enter into society, all that's going to change. And not only that, but you'll also have the freedoms to make your own decisions with even minor things like when you can go to the bathroom. So anyway, to get back to it, so so I've got concerns about the guy. I want to make sure he's going to be okay. So I show up at 701 San Jacinto, 10 a.m. I'm on time. And, uh, you know, they, they, they tell me that, you know, they're not doing it in person. They give me a phone number to call. So I, I step to the side, uh, quite windy outside, so I didn't want to go back out in the wind and try to make a phone call on a cell phone. So... Go back out and and uh, make the phone call, and, and it was very confusing. Um, I gave the case number. I gave, um, I believe it's Johnny Ward's prison identification number or, or whatever they call it. And uh, they said that I would have to go to Seguin, Texas. Now, I don't exactly know where Seguin is, but I've asked a few people, and maybe I should have looked it up before I did this This. Uh, little film today but from what I've been told Seguin's about three hours away so I look at my phone it's 9:49, you know so it's about 11 minutes to 10 and I'm thinking there's no way that anyone is going to make it to Seguin by 10 o'clock so I decided the best course of action at that point would be to wait for Johnny Ward's wife because she has constant communication with Johnny. She has constant communication with the parole officer, constant communication with the attorney. She would know what to do, who to call. So I wait on her. Five or 10 minutes goes by. She shows up. I tell her what I'm faced with. She makes a few phone calls and says that it's not in Seguin, but it's been scheduled uh, for two o'clock that day, 2 p.m., uh, at the parole office on Telephone Road. So I said, hey, cool. i got a couple of service calls I can do. I'll go knock them out, meet you there at 2 o'clock. So we part ways. Um, I start heading back toward my side of town. Still have concerns. I'm starting to suspect that maybe by some sort of grand design due to incompetence, that maybe Johnny Ward is about to not have anyone testify at his hearing and that we're all going to miss it because of misinformation, just basic incompetence on the behalf of the criminal justice system. So, you know, this is what's going through my mind on the way back. And and so I, I get a phone call, and I believe it was from Johnny's parole officer herself, and she said, yes, that the, that the hearing would be at 2 o'clock at the parole office, and that I could appear and I could testify. So I go knock out a couple of things. 
um, you know, I've got a life to live myself too. I've got to, got to earn, got to continue. And uh, made sure I, I got over there. So I, I appeared there about one thirty. I had never been to a parole office before. So I didn't know what to expect. I, you know, still a little, little apprehensive about testifying. I didn't know if this would be something I'd get on the stand, if there would be a judge, if there would be a jury, and, you know, how, how, the, how the makeup would be of the entire hearing. I was concerned. And so there's two windows when you walk in the parole office, one on the left, one on the right. And at first, I really didn't see anybody at either of those windows, so I go to the left window. I uh, looked at the individual that was there, and I said, I have a subpoena to appear. And without even looking at me, she just thumbs it over mm, like this, you know. So I go to the right window, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited. And finally, I just decided maybe I should just wait for Johnny Ward's wife again. She'll know what to do. So... Maybe 10 minutes goes by, she shows up, and I said, hey, I you know, I went up to the window, I'm not getting any response, I'm not really sure what to do. So she goes up there, and she somehow acquired a form and filled out a form, and I asked her if she would go ahead and include me on the form, because I didn't know what, you know, what was going on. She did, and uh, so we sat waiting for the, uh, for the hearing to begin. So it, it gets to be about 2.30. We've heard nothing. About 2.35, somebody comes out and says, well, the trial or the hearing hasn't started yet, and uh, they're waiting for uh, one party or another. Didn't really specify who they were waiting for, just that they were waiting. Gets to be about 3 o'clock. Gets to be about 3.30, and finally they call Mrs. Ward in uh, for her to give her testimony. She remained in there for maybe 30, 35 minutes, and uh, she came out. They called me in, and I went in, and to my surprise, there was no one in there. So it was a large room. I sat down in a chair, and there was a laptop um, that was maybe eight, eight feet, six to eight feet away from me, which is just beyond my ability to see. I could hear them pretty well, though. So, um, <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm waiting for what to do. They asked me, you know, who I was and to raise my right hand and, and swear that the testimony that I was about to provide would be true and to the best of my knowledge and blah, blah, blah. And so they basically asked me to uh, talk about Johnny and how I felt about him and how I felt about his ability to survive outside of prison walls and whether I thought he would be any kind of a productive part of society at all. And so as the same theme as I kept with the letter, I tried my very best to be articulate and to make sure that I provided the best testimony that I possibly could while staying completely truthful. And I felt like I did that. And, uh, when I thought it was over, Johnny's attorney asked me, he said, uh, Mr. Vat, you know, you showed up at 10 and you were told it wouldn't be till two. You came here at two. You didn't come in here until about three thirty, four o'clock. So you seem to be determined. And I want to know what your determination is about. Why 
do you feel the way you feel about Mr. Warren? And so here's the key to this entire video. Here's the thing. And, you know, Johnny Ward, I told, I told them, and I, I'm, I'm saying this now, I don't believe that Johnny Ward and myself are very different individuals at all. Uh, he was raised in a lower economic or lower socioeconomic environment. I was too. I mean, I was three houses down from the railroad tracks. You don't get much worse than that. You know, um, he hung out with a bunch of bad people. I did too. Um, I didn't hang out with the best people in the world because my area didn't offer the best people in the world. And I, I could have stayed alone. I could have, you know, not had the experiences that I had. And, uh, you know, some of the guys that I hung out with, they ended up in prison. Some of the guys that I hung out with ended up dead. Um, that's just the fact of the matter. And I don't know if, I'm, I'm just being honest, I, I don't know if I made better decisions, if I was just smarter than those guys, if I got away with more than those guys or what. I never really committed any violent crimes against anyone. Um, I never really did anything that I thought was, you know, damage to society. or anything. I was just a kid. I just did the things that the kids in my neighborhood did. It was no different than anybody else. And in my conversations with Johnny Ward, when he was talking about the people he hung out with and the things that he did, it reminded me of myself. And I thought, wow, man, you know, it's basically a numbers game. The guy gets pulled over. He's in the wrong place, wrong time. Shit happens, and he ends up in the clink. So, you know, that affected me. I, did, I, did, I didn't really see myself as being much different than Johnny Ward at all. And uh, so he does his time. He gets out, and, uh, you know, now he's got priors. And so he has a wife and a child, a son. And his son, I believe at the time, may have been three or four months old. And... Uh, you know, had some some a bad relationship, I guess, with his with his ex wife, and uh, it all culminated in him being concerned about his son, and concerned about his son's welfare, and you know, in 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 an intoxicated manner, the guy goes over, kicks in her door. There's an altercation. Uh, did he kill anybody? No. Did he steal anything from anybody? No. Did he hurt anyone in any way? No, but he had priors. So being that he had priors, when he got busted for that incident, they gave him 20 years, 20 years. This is a young guy, you know, uneducated from the hood. Doesn't really, and, and I hate to say this because it just sounds so cliche, doesn't really know any better, you know. He just wanted to protect a family member of his, his son. I can dig it. I, I, I see where he's coming from. It, it makes sense. It, you know, I don't have children of my own, but if I did and I thought my kids were in danger, I did the same thing. You know, I mean, look what a bear does when you get in between a bear and their cubs. I mean, it's brutal, man. You know, and, and that's in the wild. So why would we expect anything any different? But the problem with Johnny is that he already had a label. He was no longer a man. He had already done time. He was a criminal. Bottom line. 
He's not treated as a man anymore. He's not treated as a human being anymore. He's been dehumanized. He is just a criminal. And society and the criminal justice system is just waiting for him to fuck up and do it again because that's what criminals do. You know, they they go out, they, they rob, they steal, they lie, they cheat, they hurt people, they kill people. That's what they do. Because that's what we're thought that's what we're taught to believe. But Johnny's not that person. He's really actually not that person. He got caught up in something, it went bad on him. He couldn't afford to buy a good defense, so he signs off on a plea deal for twenty years. Damn. So he does it. You know, he, he goes in and you know, does this guy lay down and say, Well, you know, this is bullshit and I I shouldn't have got busted, and now I'm just going to kick everybody's ass in prison because he's a big dude, man. He can he can do it. You know, he's tough. No, he doesn't. Instead, he bows down. He keeps his head down. He keeps himself. He makes a few friends, and he gets an opportunity to get his GED. Now, I don't know what happened to him after that. Uh, something went off in his head, and he, he just realized, hey, man, I got a noggin that works. You know, my brain works. I can actually think. And now that I'm being educated on how to think and what to think, I can completely understand where I screwed up in my life, how society played an integral role in that, how prison is a screwed up deal, how reintegration screwed up, recidivism's out the roof. And he understands these things now. So he continues forward. He, he gets his bachelor's. He continues more. He gets his, his, his master's. So the guy finally, you know, through through some miracle, gets paroled out. Goes home. He's with his new wife, who is also an intelligent, articulate lady. She has a good job. She has a couple of kids of her own. She's taken Johnny Ward's kids in. So, you know, he's got a family to come home to. They really don't know him all that well. He's never been outside. He doesn't know what to do. What does he do? Does he go out and commit crimes? No. Does he hurt people? No. The guy writes a book. I mean, he sits down and he 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 buckles down. Do you know how hard it is to write a book? Seriously. I, I've sat down and attempted to write a book several times, and I don't make it through it because I don't have the stamina for it. It's a tough deal, man, you know? But he goes to his college professors, he asks them for help, and they give it to him because this is the way the guy is. I mean, he's you'd have to meet him. But he writes a book. Gets it published. It's on Amazon. I bought a copy. And it's a damn good book. So he starts another program called From Prison to Purpose. And he gets in touch with all of the guys that he was in prison with and starts talking to them and counseling them about reintegration. And he comes on my podcast and talks about the problems of the prison system and things that can be fixed if we just care enough to freaking fix it. You know, so I talk to this guy, I follow this guy, I keep up with him. And everything he does is for the betterment of society. I mean, it's, he's a better person than I am. You know, I mean, really, he takes, he takes all of his time to, to do things that are right for society. Even though he's had all the shit happen to him his whole life long. That's what he's doing, you know. So Thanksgiving rolls around, <coughs> and I guess his parole officer gets switched out somehow 
Don't really know how that works. But he gets a new P.O. She won't let him go see his family for Thanksgiving. And it bummed him out. I'm sure it did, man. It would bum me out. It would bum you out. I don't care who you are. You know, take your family away from you during the holidays. It's a fucked up deal. So, yeah, he uh, he got bummed out. And I guess he got online and started thinking about that three-month-old son who I believe now is 13 years old. And so he's, you know how it is. He's going over it in his head. He's wondering, hey, man, you know, this is my son. His parental rights were never removed. So he still has parental rights to this kid. And I believe he's even been forced to pay child support. So he's thinking of this child. He's wondering, hey, man, you know, I wonder if I can find out if they're if they're okay, if they're well off, if they're shitty off, what what the deal is. So he starts looking online, and I guess he comes across his ex-wife's LinkedIn account. Well, if you know anything about LinkedIn, they make you sign up. Once you sign up, it sends an email to the person that you're looking up to let them know, hey, this individual was checking on your profile. So the ex misses gets an email, gets a, a text, whatever, I'm not really sure, that Johnny Ward's checking her out, you know. And his sole and only purpose for doing this was just to check to see if his only, well, not his only, but if his son was okay. He just clicked. That's it. He clicked, man. I can click all day. You can click all day. We can do whatever we want. I bet you there's people that are going to be watching this video right now who click porn all day long. This guy can't even make a damn click without being relabeled as a criminal, thrown back in the clink, and now he's, you know, in violation of his parole. Because one of the, I guess one of the uh, codicils or whatever to his to his parole is, is that he can in no way, shape, or form recontact the victim or whoever they want to claim you know, was was a party to his past criminal offense. Well, legally, I don't think he tried to contact her. He just looked at something online. I mean, it's in a public forum for crying out loud. You know, so, I mean, is it a crime to look? I mean, he wasn't stalking her. He wasn't threatening her. He was just checking it out, wondering. Wouldn't you wonder about your own kid? I mean, really? So now... You know, they, they come and arrest him at 7 o'clock in the morning. There's 13 cops that show up, guns drawn, riot gear, face shields. They're ready to throw down with this dude, you know. And why? And I'll tell you why. It's because they look on their documentation. Their documentation shows him as being this badass, criminal, violent dude who's tattooed from the neck down and can't be trusted. He's a cheater, a liar, or this, that, the other. And so they gear up and they get their adrenaline going and they're ready, you know. They go in, they arrest the dude, bring him to the clink, and here we are today. Well, I testified yesterday. And I got a call afterward from Johnny Ward's wife who said that his parole officer has recommended that his parole be revoked. Now, if his parole gets revoked, he has to serve out the rest of his time, nine years. He will be 50 years old when he gets out. 50. 50. This is a guy who never really had a chance to start out with. 
And he's done everything he can to make something of the little bit of existence that life has been able to give him. And they want to take the rest of that shit away for the next nine years. What are his opportunities going to look like when he's 50? I mean, he's supposed to start at Texas A&M, I believe it is, as an adjunct professor to teach a class this year. Do you know how hard it is to become a professor? You don't walk into an educational institution and just claim, hey, I want to be a professor. And they sit down and say, oh, well, sure, just fill this out and, and we'll let you do it. It don't happen like that. You know, you have to prove yourself above and beyond. You have to prove that you're an educator. And educators, it's a gift. It's not something that 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 you teach yourself, you know. I mean, and they saw the worth in Johnny Ward, and they were going to make him a professor at a college. And they arrested this guy because he clicked a mouse button. I mean, this has just gotten freaking ridiculous, man. You know, they want to take away nine years of his life over a damn mouse click? Seriously? Let him out when he's 50? Hell, at 50, I was already looking at retirement and already angry that I'd made poor choices in my life and that I didn't have anything for retirement. And how was my family going to do once I decided to sit on the porch for the rest of my life? Because we sure as hell ain't going nowhere, you know? So what about Johnny Ward? And I think the reason why I seem angry is because nobody gives a shit. The criminal justice system doesn't care. Society doesn't care. But somebody's got to, you know? And it's not just him. There's thousands of guys like this. Thousands, man. There's people in prison right now who didn't even could do anything. They just got caught up in the system. And if you think that that couldn't have happened to you or me, you're dead ass wrong, man. You know, all you got to be is in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's a numbers game. So what I want to know is this. When are we going to stop labeling people? You know, if you have a two-year-old kid and you tell your two-year-old kid repeatedly, you say, Johnny, don't touch that glass because if you do, it'll fall over and it'll land on the floor and break. And Johnny looks at it and he's curious about it and wants to check it out. And you keep telling him, don't touch that, don't touch that, don't touch that. And then finally, one day you're not looking and you hear, bam, and there's broken glass all over the floor because Johnny reached up and he grabbed it. Did he commit a crime? Kind of. Do you hold that against Johnny for the rest of his life? No, you don't. He made a mistake. He did the wrong thing. He was told not to do it, but he did it anyway, like all of us do, because there's not anybody out there who's clean, man. I don't care who you are, where you've been. Sooner or later, you're going to do something. Nobody's clean, period. That's all there is to it. So you don't hold that against a kid for the rest of his life. So why do we label people who are adults and make mistakes for the absolute remainder of their life? I mean, are there bad guys in the clink? Yeah, there's bad guys in prison. There's guys who deserve to be there. There's guys who deserve to never, ever come out because they're a detriment to society, because they're, they're wired wrong. They don't work right, you know? And, and yeah, they, I guess they deserve to be there, you know? How many? Out of a thousand people who are in prison right now, how many of those actually should be there for the rest of their life? I bet you that number's pretty damn low. Now, I don't know what the stats are, but I bet that number's low. 
you know, but we love to incarcerate people in this country. You know, America has more incarcerated people than any other country in the world. You know, I mean, the, the numbers are astronomical and we just continue to do it. And I hate the fact that we just throw people away, you know, and I hate the fact that now we label everybody, you know, and, and, and everyone is doing this. It, this isn't something that's just for the prison system alone. It's everywhere I go, everyone I talk to, you know, Bill's a Republican, uh, John's a Democrat, uh, you know, th- this one's a liberal, that one's an idiot. I mean, all we do is label each other, and I can't figure out why. We're all human beings, man. And everyone, I mean everybody, is after the same thing. Everybody just wants to get their little piece of the action, you know? Some want more than others. Eh, it's the way it is. But everybody just wants their piece of the pie, man. Is it that bad? to want to work and survive and, you know, and I keep hearing all this bullshit about this guy's an illegal alien and this guy's a this and this guy's a that. Let's stop labeling people, man. You know, when the hell are we going to come up with some legislation that makes it illegal to label somebody? You know, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're talking about something that may actually work, I think. You know, you stop labeling people, you start seeing people as human beings and you start putting the puzzle pieces together So it adds up as a perfect picture, and you understand what's going on with that individual. When you do that, you can more than likely deal with that individual the way they need to be dealt with. You know, not just seeing them as a file and not just labeling them in your, you know, in your mentality as this guy's a criminal. So no matter what he says, he's still a criminal. Should we let him out in society? No, let's throw him back in, you know. Johnny Ward isn't paying for a crime he committed. Johnny Ward is paying because he's Johnny Ward. He's paying for being that person. You know, that's it. Bottom line. Is he a great guy? I don't know. You know, I know he's a good dude. I know he's got the best intentions in mind. I don't think he's lying to me about it. I don't see the reason why he would. I don't think he's lying to everybody else. He's got hundreds of followers on Facebook. All of them think he's a great dude. He's helped a hell of a lot of people. And he's bound to help a hell of a lot more. But they want to put him back in the clink. They want to throw his ass back in and prevent him from doing that. Isn't that what we want from rehabilitation? Seriously. Isn't that what we want? When you rehabilitate somebody, isn't, I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Is We're trying to make them better than they were when they got in. Well, Johnny's definitely better than he was. So what the fuck is the problem? You know, he clicked the mouse. So you call him and you say, look, dude, you can't do that. It's against the rules. If you told Johnny to his face, you can't do that. You can do this. You still have parental rights, so you can get the lawyer and you can go the legal route. You can, But you can't look online. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is for you because of your situation. You know what he'd do? He wouldn't click on that fucking thing again. Not because he's threatened with going to jail, but because he knows, hey, I'm not allowed to do that. He literally didn't know that he couldn't even just click and look online. I mean, come on, man. It's a mouse click. Nine years for a fucking mouse click? Really? I mean, at what point do we stop doing this shit to people? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it really doesn't, man. And 
you know, it just it, it just pisses me off and it, it bothers the shit out of me that he's even in this situation. And my hands are tied. I can't do anything other than testify to a bunch of people I don't know that don't know me. They don't know if I'm legitimate. You know, they don't, they don't know if, if, if I come from a good place or not. They're just hearing words come out of my mouth. You know, and I don't know if my testimony yesterday made any difference at all. You know, and I'm worried about him. I don't want him to go back to prison. He doesn't fucking deserve it to start out with. And secondly, it's damaging society because this is the guy that can actually get out there and do some freaking good. You know, he can do some good. So let him. Anyway, guys, you know, I wanted to, and I didn't want to get angry. I didn't want to go off, but man, I'm frustrated bad. And I just, I, I want to help this man, you know, and I'm hoping that maybe my words have at least got somebody to think that, hey, just because you've done prison time and just because everybody says you're a piece of shit and just because your file in life says you're not worth a crap doesn't necessarily mean that that's the truth. If you want to know somebody, take the time to get to know them, man, you know, and don't label them. Don't label them to start out with, man. Don't, you know, put all that shit aside and talk to the human being that's in front of you. It's a human being. It's a person. Talk to them. Find out what their deal is, man. You can tell. You know, you're smart yourself. You'll know it. You know? And if they prove to be a great guy, then then back them up. You know, that's what they need. That's what people need. And not just people who have been in prison. I'm talking about anybody. You know? If somebody's a good person, back them up. You know, if somebody has started to succeed in life, back them up, man. Don't, don't cut them down. Don't say, well, yeah, you're doing good, but you could do this. I mean, just... Leave it at, yeah, you're doing great, and that's it. You know, back them up for a change. Stop labeling people, man. Support people. I mean, isn't that what, if, if that's not what we're here for, then I want to leave because I don't like it here then. So I'm praying for Johnny Ward. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, there's some wisdom on the parole board, man. I'm hoping they see it, and uh, he needs to get out. And he needs to be able to do what he uh, has been called out to do. And what he's been called out to do is help people. And, uh, you know, I've, I've vowed to him and his wife that I'll do anything I can to help those guys out. I just want to be a better person. I want to be a better part of this wheel of society. And if I don't make any damn difference in my life, but I know that I tried at least when I'm shutting my eyes for the last time, I won't have any regrets, at least not regrets in this area. So I'm doing what I can. I'm hoping for the best. And uh, Johnny, if you hear this, man, keep it together, bro. Keep it together. I'm not the only one who believes in you. There's a bunch out there. And uh, I know what you're all about, dude. I do. So peace out. God bless. And uh, We'll see you guys in the next video. Thanks.